Well, it's wonderful to be with you all. Thank you so much uh, for your partnership in the gospel with us up at St. Clement's in Manchester. Uh, when um, I told um, my church that uh, I've been invited down by Andy to come and preach, they were really keen to, for, to, for me to come down. I don't know why. <laughs> but uh, also they wanted to pass on the, the, the love and the thanks um, to you all for partnering with us and supporting Anna in her work amongst women and her pastoral ministry uh, with us. It's been uh, wonderful. Thank you so much. And he also said, can I preach on prayer? So here we are in Luke chapter 11. And uh, Jesus has been asked by his disciples how to pray. And uh, uh, he, he, he tells them. And uh, he does so. There's three parts to uh, Jesus' teaching on prayer. In verses 5 to 8, he tells a little story to encourage persistence in prayer. And then in verses 9 to 13, uh, Jesus says that God's honor is at stake in answering prayer and he will answer the prayers that we pray in Jesus' name. And so that tells us about the possibilities we have for prayer. But this morning I'd like us just to look at verses 1 to 4, which is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. Now just as we begin, I want to make a few observations about prayer. The first observation is, uh, is this. Everybody prays. Uh, statistics show that at some point in our lives, everybody, whether they're a person of faith, uh, whether they call themselves a Christian or not, pray. I was having my hair cut uh, by my hairdresser, Dave, a while ago, and um, we got talking, and David had a couple of heart attacks. So I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll go there with him. And I said, oh, Dave, when you, know, when, when you had your heart attacks, um, did, did you pray? And, um, and Dave never goes to church. He wouldn't call himself a Christian. And he said, well, you know, when I was having a heart attack, I did offer up a prayer. You know, when the chips are down, when, when a loved one is ill, um, w when things are tough, we pray. It's a, it's a natural human reaction and response to difficulties and trials. But the second observation of, about prayer is that, is, is, is that prayer, most of us find prayer difficult. Many of us want to pray. Many of us would like to be better at prayer. But many of us don't know how to go about it you know we, we, we might pray for 30 seconds and then th then that's it you know what do we do next and so we all need help and teaching when it comes to prayer and finally the passage we've just had read uh, the lord's prayer is the best resource available about prayer this is the lord himself teaching us how to pray you know, you go, into, you go into the main man about the main issue. And this prayer is very simple to learn. It's very well known. Probably most of us know this prayer off by heart. And yet it's a resource that many of us do not use in our prayers. I read a book about prayer last year, and it really struck me as I read the book again, just how important this prayer is as a pattern for all our prayers. And I should be using it daily as a structure for my own prayer life. And I've sought to do that since then. So my desire this morning as we look at prayer is that as we look at Jesus' teaching on prayer, as we look at his pattern for prayer, it would inform your prayer life and make you a better prayer. And make your prayer life more robust. So there's three things about the Lord's Prayer I'd like us to see this morning. I'd like us to see, first of all, the principle of prayer. Then the pattern of prayer, 
and then the person of prayer. Principle of prayer, the pattern of prayer, and the person of prayer. First of all, the principle of prayer. The Lord's Prayer is recorded twice in the, the Gospels, here in Luke 11 and also in Matthew chapter 6. And the key to the Lord's Prayer is found in how the prayer begins. So here in Luke 11, it begins with the word Father. In Matthew's Gospel, it begins with the words, Our Father. Now that is the starting point and the principle for all prayer. You, you begin prayer with the word Father. Now that tells us a number of things about prayer. First of all, it tells us that by saying the word Father and beginning prayer with Father, we're saying that prayer is communicating with a person. You see, when, when a person becomes a Christian, when a person puts their trust in Jesus Christ and commits their life to him and sees that Jesus Christ died on the cross to take away all their sins, that they might be right with God again, that he was punished in their place. So that when that happens and that person puts their trust in Jesus Christ, they get adopted by God into his family. God becomes their father. They become his child, his son, his daughter. And therefore, they begin a relationship with God. And that relationship with God, which you begin by putting your trust in Jesus Christ, continues through prayer. It's developed through prayer. You know, just as human relationships are developed through conversations and communication, just as my relationship with my wife is developed as we talk to each other. You know, if we didn't talk to each other... Our relationship's not going anywhere. Just as our conversations develop our relationship with each other, so our prayer develops our relationship with God. You see, we pray to God to build our relationship with him. We're building our relationship with a person. We're having conversations with a person. And so that tells us how we should pray. You know, we shouldn't repeat the same words over and over and over and over and over again to try to get God to hear us because that's not the way you talk to another person. Neither should you talk in a really, really loud voice because you think God might be deaf. You talk as if you're talking to a person. And you shouldn't use haughty language when you pray to God. You know, you know what haughty language is? We pray for all people everywhere. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You, you don't talk to somebody like that. See, when it comes to prayer, you can have a conversation with God. You talk to God like you're talking to a person because that's what you're doing in prayer. You're building a relationship with a person, with our Heavenly Father. But also by saying Father, we see that prayer is based on grace, not on what you do, not on your performance. You see, the way a child relates to their parents is very different than the way that we relate to our bosses. You know, your relationship with your boss at work is, is, is dependent on performance. But a child's relationship with their parents is dependent on grace you know as a father i'm really bothered about how my four boys do 
You know, if they, badly behaved at school, then there's some comeback on me. So, I, you know, I want them to behave well at school. I want them to be polite. Because my reputation is somehow tied up with theirs. But my son's position in my family is not dependent on their behavior. They're still my child, whether they behave well or whether they don't. But that's not the case at work. You see, we all know what happens to employees who don't perform. Alan Sugar's shown us. You, you're fired. But God doesn't fire any of his children. You see, when by calling God our Father, we have such confidence when it comes to prayer. Because it, no, it means that we don't need to fear rejection from God. Because our standing with God is not dependent on how well we're doing. It's not dependent on performance. It's dependent simply on his grace, which he gives us freely as we trust in Jesus Christ. And that means we can pray just as we are. You can pray just as you are. You don't need to clean your life up first before you pray. You know, you don't need to do certain rituals before you pray. You know, we can come to God anytime as his children because it's not dependent on how we're performing. It's all by God's grace. Now, I'm aware as I talk about God as a father that some of us maybe haven't had good experiences of fatherhood. But we all know what a good father should be like, which is why we get sad or get angry when we don't experience good fatherhood. You see, when it comes to fatherhood, earthly fathers are not the standard, but God is. God is the ultimate father, and he's a good father who loves to, loves to give good things to his children. That's what he says later in chapter 11. You know, he's not going to give a stone when his children ask for bread. He's going to give good things because that is the sort of father he is. He's a good father who is loving and kind and cares for us and wants what's best for us. And Jesus says, the way you approach this father is not on the basis of your efforts and your performance, but on the basis of God's grace. That is the starting point for all prayer. You come to him as a child. He is your father. Let me ask you, do you come to God as a child? Do you approach God as if he's your heavenly father? Because that's the way we should be doing it. Not as a boss, but as a father. That's the principle of prayer. Secondly, we see here the pattern of prayer. Now, sometimes, especially in Anglican churches, we can actually say the actual words of the Lord's Prayer together. And I think that's a good thing to do. As long as we don't do it in a mechanical manner, I think it can be helpful. But whether we use the exact words or whether we don't, the Lord's Prayer here is given as a pattern for all our prayers. Because in all our prayers should involve three things which the Lord's Prayer has in them. It should involve praise, confession, and petition. First of all, praise. The focus of all our prayers should be God and the praise of God. Now, sometimes uh, uh, a person might say, well, why is God not, not answering my prayers? I'm praying to God, and he's not answering the prayers that I'm praying 
Now, the answer to that question is this. God is interested in your prayers. That you pray, the things that you want. We'll come to that in a minute. But you've got a wrong understanding of what prayer is all about. You see, prayer, first and foremost, is not about us. It's about God. It's not, first of all, about our lives, but about God's life, about God's praise, about God's glory. And so when we come to pray, we need to consider who we're praying to. Just as when you're talking to somebody, you consider who you're talking to. We need to consider who this God is who we're praying to, the creator of the heavens and the creator of the earth. You know, the Lord's Prayer tells us two things about God that we should consider. First of all, we should consider that his name is hallowed. Hallowed be your name. To hallow God's name is to, to honor God's name. It's to, to want his name to be high and lifted up and exalted. It's to want God's name to be higher than any other name and greater than any other name. Because he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. His name deserves to be higher than any other. And second, we are to see and pray for his kingdom to come. Your kingdom come. See, this is linked to honoring God's name. It's a desire for God's reign and rule to extend across the world. See, God is the perfect king. He's the perfect ruler. And therefore, his rule is the perfect rule. His rule is a, a rule of justice. It's a reign of peace. Coming under his kingship brings joy. It brings about a world of unity. See, don't you want our relationships in this world to be mended? Don't you want injustice in the world to cease? Don't you want there to be peace on earth? And love and unity and joy to be spread abroad? That's what we pray when we ask for God's kingdom to come. We're praying, God, would you be the king of this world? Would you make the broken things in this world whole again? Would the injustices in this world be got rid of? Would poverty end? Would oppression cease? Would broken relationships be mended? God, that's what we want. We want your kingdom to come. We're supposed to praise God in our prayers. But secondly, we're supposed to, our prayers are supposed to be littered with confession as well. See, when we, when we pray, we're supposed to pray, forgive us our sins. Now, this is something that's really struck me in the past year or so. Um, I've realized that every day I need to pray, forgive me my sins. Now, I don't pray that in order that I might become right with God. You see, a person is right with God, they're brought into a relationship with God simply by putting their trust in Jesus Christ. I'm not made right with God again by praying in a morning, forgive me my sins. But I pray, God, forgive me my sins, I'm sorry for my sins, not in order to be right with God, but to remind myself how I am right with God. You see, we pray, forgive me my sins, reminding ourselves that our sins have been forgiven already when Jesus Christ died on that cross 2,000 years ago. 
See, every morning we need to remind ourselves, God, you have already forgiven us our sins through Jesus Christ. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. I'm sorry for them. But thank you that they've been taken away through the death of your son. You see, when we remember that, it releases a power in our lives which produces happiness and produces humility. First of all, it, it produces happiness. You see, when you remember that you are forgiven, a joy is produced in your life which, which changes you. You know, some of us have a, an MP3 playing in our heads almost daily, which says, you know, I'm rubbish, I'm worthless, you know, I always mess up, you know, and we walk around with our heads hung down and feeling guilty. But when you realize and remind yourself that you've been forgiven, it changes the MP3. The record changes to, yes, I mess up, but I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm accepted by the king of the universe. And that gives you, that brings freedom, that brings a joy into your life. And the accusations of guilt and worthlessness, they go. But also, when you remember that you're forgiven, it makes you humble. And it makes you, by being humble, ready and able to forgive those who wrong you. You know, the reason we don't forgive other people is because we think we're better than them. You know, we, we say to ourselves, we might not say it out loud, but we, we say it to ourselves, you know, I'm better than they are. You know, they've wronged me. They don't deserve to be forgiven. They're bad. I'm good. But forgiveness reminds us that actually we mess up as well. And we need forgiveness from God. And God has already forgiven us our wrongs and our mess. And if God can forgive us, we can forgive other people when they wrong us and treat us badly. And that means that we end up letting go of bitterness. We let go of grudges and the desire to get revenge. The person who wronged you years ago, who you've not forgiven, you can let go of that. Because you know that you mess up as well, and you need forgiveness from God. And if God has forgiven you, you can... That releases a power. It really produces a humility, which allows you to let go of the past. You see, if you want your life to be filled with joy, filled with humility, then pray... Forgive me my sins and pray it daily and it will bring freedom. But finally, the Lord's Prayer tells us about praise, tells us about confession, but also tells us that our prayer should be littered with petition as well. We should ask God for things. Give us today our daily bread. You know, we're to pray for our daily needs, our daily bread, not our daily caviar. Our daily needs, the things which get us through from day to day. And we're to pray for our daily needs, not our yearly needs or our lifetime needs. You know, if, you, if God gave you your lifetime needs today and all the things that you wanted to happen in your life today, you wouldn't need to rely on him and pray to him tomorrow. That's why he says, pray, give us today, what I need today to live. And then tomorrow we wake up and we ask God for the needs of the day again. Constant reliance on God 
to provide us with what we want and what we need. And finally, we're to pray, lead us not into temptation. You see, we all go through trials and difficulties in our lives. We all have times of trouble and hardship. And this is a prayer to pray that at those times when the storms of life are coming at us, we wouldn't cave in to them. We won't cave in to doubt. We won't cave in to pride. We won't cave in to, to lust. We won't cave in to self-reliance. Instead, we would stand firm, not in our own strength, but in God's strength. Lead us not into temptation, God, but help me to stand firm in the trials and struggles of life. Help me to stand firm trusting in Jesus Christ. That's the pattern for our prayers. We should be praying like that all the time. And now the final question is this. How can we be people who pray like that? How can we be people who use the Lord's Prayer as part of our pattern for prayer? By looking to the person of prayer, which is Jesus Christ himself. You see, Jesus Christ here doesn't just tell us how to pray, but he himself prayed the Lord's Prayer. If you read through the Gospels and look at how Jesus prayed, he was always praying the Lord's Prayer. He always prayed to his Father. He always prayed about God's will being done and God's kingdom coming. He always prayed about forgiveness of sins. He didn't pray for his own sins to be forgiven because he didn't have any. But when he died on the cross, he said about those killing him, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And in John chapter 17, he prayed about, I want our sins to be forgiven through his death on the cross. See, Jesus didn't just teach us how to pray. He prayed the Lord's Prayer. And in fact, he fulfilled the Lord's Prayer. You see, Jesus didn't just pray this prayer, but he answered the prayer. And he did that when he died on the cross. I just mentioned that when he died on the cross, he prayed for forgiveness of sins. And as he was dying, he fulfilled that very prayer. He died so that our sins could be forgiven. He died so that God could, be, could become our father. He died so that we could come to God asking for our daily needs, our daily bread. He died so that you could have a relationship with God again. And so as we see what Jesus did for us on that cross, so that enables us to be people of prayer. Because it enables us to have a relationship with God in the first place. And it, we see how our prayers are going to be answered. They're going to be answered through Jesus Christ because he has given up his life for us. He's going to give us everything else we need. And so that enables us to pray this prayer. See, as we see that he prayed this prayer for us and died for us, we're able to pray this prayer for him. And so we can pray this prayer. Let me encourage you, use this prayer as a pattern for your prayers. You know, use this prayer to structure your prayer life. If you've got children, teach this prayer to your children that they might know how to pray from a young age. They might know how to have a relationship with God. And if you are in small groups or if you are in discipleship pairings or, or that sort of thing, then, then pray it together. Pray it in your group. And don't just pray mechanically, but use it as a pattern for your prayer. It's a wonderful privilege that we can actually have a relationship with the creator of heaven, the heavens and the earth.
place you use that privilege. Let's pray. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that we can call you Father. What a privilege it is that we can actually have a relationship with you. A relationship which isn't based upon our goodness, but a relationship that's based upon your grace and through your son Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are your children and you are our Father. And that as your children, we can come to you in prayer 24-7, knowing that you will hear us and that you will answer us. Lord, make us people who pray. Make us people who know you, our great God and Saviour. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.